Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. It's Wade, Jason, and Mike in the podcast studio. Oh, that reminds me. If I did the opening, I was going to say I'm here with my dear friend and colleague, um, the Reverend Dr. Michael Berg, and then uh, with Professor James Oakland. He works here. <laughs> he works here. <laughs> At least according to the uh, Sorry, go ahead, head. though. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Jason's here, looking dapper. Oh, thank you. And uh, fully engaged and as wonderful as usual. <laughs> thank you, Michael. I appreciate that. Wade's here. And Wade is All here. All right. <laughs> Today we are going to discuss an article where entitled Where Our Sense of Self Comes From by Andrea Wolf. This is an article from The Atlantic. Uh, uh, they will do this often where uh, somebody is basically promoting their book uh, and kind of gives a, a taste a teaser of their book. Her book is entitled Magnificent Rebels, The First Romantics and the Invention of the Self. And the point she's making in this article is that there was a, a group of people that all came together at the University of Jena, in and around the University of Jena in the 1790s. And this is where we get that sort of the, the beginning or uh, a part of the romantic movement. And it's kind of like I saw, since we're kind of in the Lutheran world uh yena is important in the in the lutheran world but also uh there's a lot of similarities here like wittenberg all of a sudden just had this explosion of a bunch of people at the right time doing stuff mm. for completely different reasons of course uh but anyway wlc I, wlc <laughs> 2022 right um i thought you were going to say because each of us is no, yeah. clearly to be, you know, right. hopelessly romantic and <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Uh maybe not quite. Yeah. But <laughs> so what we'd like to talk about is uh there's a group of what she would say is very rebellious, and I would agree with that. Uh German poets, philosophers, writers, playwrights, all that kind of stuff. Uh Fichte, uh Goethe, uh I, how do you spell how do you pronounce that again? Goethe. 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 Um Hegel is there, uh kind of stuff like that. People like that, I should say. And her point is that it changed the way we looked at ourself. And so we'll try to get into that and we'll see how much, how far we go. We are part of the 1517 podcast network and happy to be a part of that group. They are having their annual here. We still stand conference uh, later in October, middle of October, already sold out by the way, already sold out, but you can go and see all of the uh, lectures online, all the presentations online. So even if you can't make it San Diego or wanted to, but couldn't get there because um, it was sold out, you could look at the information while you're there, check out all the different uh, podcasts. Um, they just asked me to be on soul of Christianity next week. I'm going to go. So that's one that um, um, is, is an interesting one. That'll be fun. That's that win, right, Yeah. Yeah. And um, so they got a lot of information, a lot of content there. Blog posts. Wait, are you going to turn your Friday chapel into a blog post for 1517? Oh, we'll see how it goes over. See how it goes over. <laughs> and uh, stay tuned for that. Um, books, regional conferences, all, all good stuff. 1517. Uh, check it out. Uh, before we get into our main topic, uh, Jason has our disclaimer. This show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers. To be honest, much of the time it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot. So approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should generally do with almost 
everything. If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, turn, look around, and realize you were just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. back with our main topic which is discussing uh, this article very short article where our sense of self comes from by Andrea Wolf who wrote um, a recent book about uh, the University of Jena uh, this town of I think 4500 at the time had a very important um, important university there and there was a, a handful of people there that we would maybe describe as uh, romantics and uh, just she was just kind of intrigued by this and the main topic of her book and especially this article, is that it changed the way we look at ourselves, like the self, right? In German, the ich, right? The I. Uh, and so let me let me just kind of uh, give you a, a little bit of a background here. Um, she points out these magnificent rebels, the Jena set. Uh, you have uh, Novalis and Johann Wolf, Wolfgang von uh, Goethe, uh, the playwright Friedrich Schiller, philosophers Johann Gottlieb Fichte, uh, Friedrich Schelling and Georg Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel, uh, the young scientist Alexander von Humboldt, the combative Schlegel, Schlegel brothers, and the formidable Caroline Bamer Schlegel Schelling. Um, I know some of them. Yeah, but that's a that's a big list. That's, that's heavy list. heavy hitters on that list. Yeah. Can I uh, can I toss out a little bit of Yana history? Yeah, I think that would be good. And and if you would, this is Saxon and. Uh, part of Saxony, part of the story here is the um, uh, Germany is not unified yet. Got right, and that's why I thought it might be a little long. And then the Saxon, if you wouldn't mind, the Saxon inheritance, weird rules. Like Saxons just have a different way of dividing stuff up. So go ahead. Yeah, so you have, um, to, to maybe go back uh, to the Luther Wingnet series on this one, um, I think we had a podcast session on it, but you have Ernestine and Albertine, Saxony. <clears throat> this is these brothers, Ernst and Albrecht. Um, the way uh, inheritances inheritances ended up, ended up getting divided up wasn't just like one son gets everything, um, but often it was divided, or sometimes it was divided amongst sons, which leads to this Albertine Ernestine. Um, but the University of Jena itself is actually fo- uh, founded because of the defeat of the Schmalkaldic League, um, and uh, the elector. Um, loses, uh, so the Ernestine line, uh, the, uh, where Luther would have been before his death, he dies 46. Uh, Small Celtic League's defeated 47. Um, the uh, Ernestine line is going to lose its electorship, and that's going to go to Duke Moritz of Saxony, who was also a Lutheran, but it sided with the emperor. And so, um, why is my name sticking on? Who's uh, John Frederick? On this. John Frederick is going to get Eventually, as some concessions when he doesn't get capital punishment <coughs> for fighting against the emperor, uh, he's going to get some lands. And as part of that, he's going to found this uh, university at Jena, which is going to be a um, kind of a haven for a bit for Gnasio Lutherans. Uh, 
uh, Gnesia meaning genuine, and it doesn't mean they were right on everything, but that was they were kind of think of them as the feisty, um, <clears throat> wanted to uh, defend Luther's teaching and also maybe imbibed um, certain characteristics of Luther's spirit. <laughs> and so one of the the first the more polemic characteristics. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the um, one of the first big name professors there will be Matthias Flacius Illyricus or uh, Matthias Flacius. And uh, so Jena's already started with kind of like a contentious um, background, and you're going to have very early on, um, Flacius or Flacius is going to end up having to leave because of these deba- debate debates that take place over doctrine, um, and, the, and especially the one that becomes a big one is over original sin. Um, and uh, so Jena, from its beginnings, was kind of like this, I guess you could say exciting in a way, right? There's a, a lot of um, back and forth going on, but a uh, a feisty university. After this time, uh, you're going to get Karl Marx, for instance, who will have studied at Jena, and you will have another Jena set l- later as well. And so um, because of the fractured nature of Germany before its independ- or its unification, um, in 1870, correct me if I'm wrong, Jason. Says yeah, I think that sounds right. Yeah. Um, you have all these territories, and since the territories have to kind of carry out all the mechanisms of government themselves, there's not like an overarching federal government. Um, it's hard to censor ideas everywhere. Um, it's uh, you can have a lot of different uh, cultural and political and legal experiences in different territories, and this makes Yena a place where you can have all these personalities. Um, in some ways, and I think this article does a good job, in some ways expressing shared ideas, but also disagreeing, right, and fighting amongst themselves in some way. And she talks about, was it Fichte who has the, he wears the uh, the riding boots and he has yep. the bullwhip in class. And <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> interesting people that are able to kind of hold court in front of a classroom, uh, which is going to draw... Uh, Young men, I mean, primarily young men at this time, who are, I mean, at that age, you're drawn to big ideas, new ideas, maybe controversial ideas. And so this becomes a kind of a ripe um, breeding ground for this. But it had already been that within Lutheranism earlier, um, and it will be that uh, very much with Marx and others later. And it might might be one of the things, too, say, you know, one of the things, yeah, primarily young men, but there were also women that were right. as part of this circle too, which certainly at, of, at the time would have been a pretty shocking thing, but that was kind of what they were about in some ways. Right. right? Yeah. And I think there's a couple other things that, you know, we, we living in this Lutheran world that we live in um, and teaching it and, and breathing that history because uh, we, we have to teach it. Uh, some other things too, that w- we, we go, oh, yeah, that this has always been that way, right? There's there's not going to be a whole lot of censorship because you have different Saxon princes and there's no there's no, uh, there's no no overarching federal government. Well, that's exactly happened with Luther. Frederick the Wise can, right. can uh, maintain uh, some independence uh, and, and say, I'm going to protect my, my guy here. Um, she makes the point, uh, the author of this article makes the point that uh, – the Germans were particularly enamored by the written word. The publishing trade was four to five times larger that, than that in England. Um, this was the case for centuries, right, that the Germans had this. Well, a part of that was because of the printing press able to put together broadsheets, but 
real simple, cheap stuff. And um, not that ability had to come with content and the Lutheran Reformation was that content. And so the, the publishing industry in Germany was ahead of the game still, um, you know, almost 200 plus years, 200 plus years, almost 300 years after the, the start of the Reformation. So yeah, there's a lot, once you see Jena, once you see publishing, once you see kind of the not having the censorship and the uh, fractured German state, you're, we're thinking Reformation things as well. Now, her article makes, I think, uh, as Wade said, really good uh, in very short amount of time setting the, 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 say, the scene for this. Now, of course, she has to at first give a few um, shout outs to <laughs> Russian cyber inf uh, interference and Roe versus Wade and kind of some, that's almost a prerequisite right now. Yep. Your first couple paragraphs have to be uh, a little bit of, I, this is an old term, but virtue signaling yep. uh, to your readers that this is this matters to today and here's why. And a lot of those uh, connections are fairly tired. So I, I don't blame her much because this is sort of like the outline that you have to have right now. But if uh, we would highly recommend reading this article, whether you agree with it or not. The first three paragraphs are, you know, mm -hmm. just making sure the author's making sure you know that she is uh, right, feel uh, right uh, morally. Yeah. Right? So right, we'll ignore yeah. that a little bit, um, but we'll get into now maybe actually the subjects. I Although I, I would say with it, I missed a little yeah. bit because I uh, ran out, Michael. But with the right morally stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she probably is not far off from where most Americans land. Did you hit on that? I mean, with that of, of what she's kind of defending her value in there, this idea of autonomy and. Uh, I I was just saying uh, no. I I think that that would be a different subject. I was just saying there seems to be some prerequisites, uh, with publishing right now that your first two paragraphs have to mention Russia or Roe versus. Oh Biden. yeah, yeah. So and I mean, but if but lest our our some of our listeners who maybe, um, come from the other side of the polit political spectrum, um get turned off by that when she says Russia Roe v. Wade just substitute guns yeah. and mass yeah. and you're going to basically at the same be at the same myself and my autonomy my right myself is what makes me, these decisions and my autonomy and you're not going I mean most Americans yeah. are going to fall where at what she's getting just at just cho choosing a different it's just thing. how you divvy it up politically and I think uh, is that fair or yeah not? and I think um, that's why I was kind of saying like ignore those because you could you can apply this in any way, and it really is. And I, I mentioned probably not her fault. This is just standard outlining now, which I think is kind of sad. Like, say something that's going to be timeless, right? Yeah. Like you know, that six months from now we're going to be onto something else, probably. You know, so um, I, I think that hurts the cause. But I, nobody asked me to be editor of anything. <laughs> but I if would, I was an editor of anything, yeah. And since I, I, I already say, interrupted, I was going to ask before, and I didn't get to. But um, did you renew Atlantic? You, yeah. I did. It's no? it's been one of my standbys. The uh, Harpers, didn't? I did not. Yeah, Harpers, I'm dropping. But Atlantic, I did. I think I'm, we, we've had this discussion before. Like, mm -hmm. I, I want to keep just because I used to get like everything. I'm like mm -hmm. the well, I can't remember what the Jerusalem major papers. I'm like, oh, oh right, yeah, Jerusalem like, Post, Post, and then like Dallas Morning News and whatever. <laughs> I'm like, there's just no way. So, I think you got to have the. We talked about this before. Let's do it again. New York Times, Atlantic, because I think that gives. I you dropped the Times. And by the way, I, I might get it again. But I got real. By the way, though, some, yeah, there's some fluff in there. It was getting a little hacky for a while. It, there is, but at the same time, there are some really strong 
articles and not just opinion pieces that are that are not left-leaning, right? Mm-hmm. And I think people that don't read the New York Times want to make this a pinata, and they haven't read. You know what I mean? Like, there's some good I stuff. I got there. sick of uninformed articles about bike lanes. <laughs> <laughs> um, For as, as supposedly liberal as uh, New York yeah, is in yeah. the New York Times. I think you, I think you should have... I was have, sick of bashing yeah. bicycles. I think you should have the Wall Street Journal. I think you That's can, my favorite yeah, newspaper, as far as... Not that. favorite, like, that it's always exciting, yeah. but I, I feel like that... If you're like aiming, it's yeah. not always hitting bullseye, but it's yeah. always on the board. Yeah, I don't think uh, I, I I have not got opinion the pieces are usually yeah. fair. I like Politico just because it's that's only online. You don't have to buy. That's right. okay. But Harper's, yeah, I'm dropping Harper's. It's too much long form. It's like New Yorker. There's sometimes it'd be really interesting stuff, but eventually I was just like, I'm not going to read a super large ar- article right. about like it rained in the park. Right, and <laughs> I think like if you're making people pay for it, then half your article should not be from the archives. Right. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. we got way off here. But the Atlantic, I think, has actually done pretty darn well overall. They're, they're pretty good. All right. Um, with that said. You know what Jason subscribes to? What do I subscribe to? I'll keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so think about. I don't think he actually subscribes that much. I think he's usually on the, the dark web. Yeah. <laughs> Ficta is. I have my hands full of PhD uh, going reading to be right now. So <laughs> talking about the Ich German I C A I Das English ich. gross. Yeah. Um <laughs> <laughs> That's a good joke, isn't it? Would you if you were teaching, Michael, if you were teaching German and you're like translate ich and you would give like full credit for I, but if someone's like gross, you'd be like half credit. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Anyway, um, he is going to make uh, even a bold statement that says, I am a priest of truth. Now, no, before we you, go wouldn't there, say, you wouldn't say that's awesome. You, if they put gross, you'd say that's great. Mm. And oh, you keep going next back. Level. Keep mm. going back. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. Okay. Um, before we get into this concept, the, the philosophical concept. I hope all, like, seven of our listeners who took German enjoy that. <laughs> um, you're at a special time here where you have... Hume, who is a, uh, a radical skeptic, and probably if you're gonna if you're gonna try to if he's gonna try to figure out how we know things, his epistemological answer would be: be skeptical of everything, especially metaphysical stuff. I think you can't see. And you're gonna try to finally the hard sciences. Kant is gonna be woken up from his slumber by Hume and is gonna say, try to put back that together. This is all kind of after. Descartes, who is going to try to found some foundation of of knowledge, and he comes to the to to a debatable but uh, a, a decent place from his point of view that at least I'm thinking. And right? and Kant, to be fair, yeah. is especially going to be, as he says, you know, aroused or woken from his slumber because of Hume's sidelining of reason to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, you know, with the um, what, what is it, uh, values of, or fact and value, you know, that um, that killing, you know, is is that 400 people were killed. Okay, that could be wrong or right. We would say that's wrong, but do I care? Mm-hmm. Um, but he's especially that Hume emphasizes sentiment so much. It's sentiment common to mankind that human beings aren't driven by reason and you can't make simply just a, a an objective, rational structure mm-hmm. for morality. Um, Kant will drink the Kool-Aid somewhat in the self, right? And she gets at that in here. 
that he will say um, there are things and then there's how we perceive how we perceive them and that will undermine some stuff yep. because well we can never truly you know perceive things um, so even while Kant will oppose a lot of what um, is doing uh, there's already gonna there's gonna be in Kant some like granting of some of this pre- this idea. Let, let me give a broad thing, and then maybe we'll get in the weeds like, like you did a little bit. So you got Hume, skepticism, um, <coughs> and uh, maybe let's let's double down on, on, on the, the hard sciences a little bit. That's, that's too uh, brief of an explanation, of course. Kant is going to try to build things off and sort of be Cartesian a little bit, say, um, hey, I, uh, I'm thinking, but I'm thinking in a context, which means that the external world does exist and kind of build from that um, and try to save reason, so to speak. But um, And then Fichte is going to try to, how do you, the, the main question is how do, you, how do you know what you know and how do you solve this, right? So uh, 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 Hume skepticism, like get rid of the metaphysical. Like the sun might not rise tomorrow. Just because you've seen it rise every day right. yep. doesn't mean it'll rise tomorrow. Right. Like Hume's that skeptical. Right. Um, and, and so this is all coming from Descartes, like how can I know this radical, I'm going to be skeptical of everything and then I'm going to break it down to one thing and his one thing is, you know, I think therefore I am. Hume's going to say, I'm not quite sure. Kant's going to try to build off Descartes just a little bit and, and kind of what you said. Fichte's going to kind of say, it's, it all comes to me, the I, and then in the background of all of this is Haman who's going to probably, if he would give a one-word answer to this, is the Lugus, who is right. Jesus Christ. So the, what I'm trying to say is that the, the, the question of the day is, how do I know what I know, and how shall then I go about my life uh, you know, with, this, with this new epistemology? And Fichte is answering it with... <laughs> yep. right. and, and to be fair yep. to him, he kind of does a let-the-bird-fly thing. He's going to say... It's the self, but what is the self kind of without neighbor? Mm -hmm. So he's like, you can't toss out morality Mm -hmm. because some people were running with this stuff and it gets it, what is it, the Schlegel brothers uh, who are living quite um, unorthodox, sexualized. Libertine, I think is a good word. Open marriage and, um, you know, that that Fichte will try to ground. Now, I'm not trying to say that we come up with like this false thing to avoid antinomianism, mm-hmm. right, Michael? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Wink if that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as um, in Christianity we would say, <laughs> right, it's justification than sanctification. is going to do something like that where he's going to say it's self, but the self is no good. It can't be happy, right? What is the self if it's not good and in relation to others? There's so. responsibility, and he, I think he grounds a responsibility in it's a radical freedom, but I have a responsibility to work for the freedom of others kind of thing. Now, this is devoid of gospel, right? But you could see the line of thought is somewhat similar. Right. Which he he calls moral duty, right? Which is, again, maybe a very German thing in some ways, this idea of of duty that comes along. So saying duty. Well, it, it is. It is. It's a very German thing. Yes, yeah. it's problematic at times, maybe. Yeah, maybe. yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I want to toss you, that in because... Would you prefer flicked? Sure. Okay. Obligation, yeah. Yeah. The, um, but I just want to throw that in because in this Yena set and among students of Fichte, 
there will be some who do unmoor the self. And so to be fair to him, the self is still somewhat anchored mm-hmm. in responsibility here. And uh, um, there's questions that are going to be brought up probably in later existential thinkers, right? Um, so he would say maybe um, the, the I, the ick, posits and it posits is like i i assert i make something right yeah um i interpret it i its own being so the self brings itself into existence rather than i was given existence um you know so you can sort of hear some existence comes before essence sort of thing and and i think yeah um i'm kind of going to interpret things into being right I'm going to encounter things, but they kind of are what they are to myself. Is that fair? I mean, it's an oversimplification, yeah. but... Or, yeah, like, I'm not, he's not saying I create myself or create the outside world, the non-ich. What he's saying is I create the knowledge of that. Right. As I relate to it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to interpret it into what it is for me. And that is then the most of what it can be is what it is to me, how I know it. It's deep stuff, dude. Thank mm-hmm. you. It's deep stuff. And so... I'm working on uh, interpreting but, James out of this room. <laughs> but it's... It's not working. <laughs> so Kant's going to yeah. say, there, there is the, there, you know, Fichte's going to say, there's the ich and then there's the non There's me and then there's everything else, the external world. Where Kant would be there's similar, there's a, the, thing as it, the thing itself and then it appears to us and that becomes the problem. And Fichte is saying, maybe, what's the problem? I just interpret it, you know? like Right. Kant is going to ground the thing itself, the, the external thing. And then I can just only know it so well. So she, she writes that, uh, Wolf writes, um, Fichte criticized Kant for not having overcome Descartes' dualism, in which the external world exists <coughs> independently of the mind. Not only did Fichte overcome this divided world when he asserted that our knowledge of the external world was produced by ourself, but his ich was powerful. If the ich brings in itself into existence, it must be free. The ich, not God or monarchs, was the first principle of everything. He doesn't solve the problem, <laughs> right? I mean, just by stating... I mean, that's that's very... <laughs> I, I solved the problem because I decided that I solved well, the problem. Well, it's a very it's, modern thing. It's it's mm-hmm. like it's, it's I don't, truth by assertion. Right. I don't think that. And I wonder if she sort of knows that, where she kind of says at the end, we're sort of living in this world that he's made where we just assert what we want. Which is funny because as like she's defending this, she talks about us living in the world right. that he made for us. Right, which which class is kind of classic right now where you where you say, I'm defending this philosophy, but then also railing against the results of that philosophy. For instance, it's not about truth. It's about asserting truth. And then you're like, Donald Trump does it bad, but everybody else that does that, that's the, fil- the philosophy behind that's good, right? Mm-hmm. I-, I think we're a little bit schizophrenic that way. You're making mm-hmm. this man over here. I'm sorry. <laughs> I interrupted you multiple times. Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, too, that, that that's the implications of those things that, that you know, then become uh, really exciting, I think, for those original, the original audience of that. And, and you see, like, 
the excitement of that around Yena and some of those things. But, but then kind of going to, you know, it's carrying through on those implications to their end, or at least as they make their way toward that, that, that you run into some real problems. I think that's kind of where you, where you were going and what you got to, you know, and I think that's, that is, um, on the one hand, you know, um, interesting to see, you know, the original excitement and you can see the pull for that. I mean, still to this day, right. You see the pull to that type of thinking. And yet, um, you recognize the problems if you continue to carry that, those implications forward. So you just create your, I mean, Fichte is trying to say, okay, with my, this, this, all this radical freedom, right. The ick that I make up my own essence by, by just asserting things. That's a clumsy way of saying it. But then saying that then that freedom is going to produce this twin, which is moral obligation. Well, what if I, the ick, doesn't want to have the same, that moral obligation, right? Mm-hmm. So she and he realizes that they walked a fine line between free will and selfishness, self-determination, and perhaps even narcissism, uh, a balancing act that seems too familiar today. But this this idea that well there's you know there may be this well maybe the philosophy actually is corrupt not just that just because you had a sense of duty doesn't mean that if you give everybody else this idea of the freedom of the eye that they're going to have a sense of duty let alone similar to your sense of of duty and morality and And I, i think it's interesting that she has there so they walk the fine line between free will and selfishness, self-determination, and narcissism. Notice, like, that's only half of the potential spectrum. But it's a free will as asserted as, like, okay, that it's going to trend towards the danger of selfishness. So I'm, I'm going to have this free will that hopefully is, like, grounded in getting other people freedom. But it's like free will to narcissism. There's not, like, bound will or anything in between, right? The, by Stoics, by Christian, well, most Christians probably believe in a free will at this point, but, <laughs> um, you know, and then you have self-determination and narcissism, so it's still half of the spectrum. There's not, like, you know, uh, destiny or that there might be, you know, um, that we are characters in a, in, a, in a book written by another author uh, or that our choice is, is limited. Um, it, it dismisses large swath of um i would say things that human um experience even testifies to without now it's a short article but i think that um what she's getting at there um does explain and you mentioned you know <coughs> someone might say this this leader or this other leader is doing this thing but doing it poorly i think it does get at though assumptions that almost all of us have and i think uh it ties into I think there's a way to get to a Christian argument for autonomy, right? But I think the way many Christians get to autonomy is much more through this mm-hmm. and practice um, than through a biblical argument. And what autonomy increasingly has is, is come to mean um, is not simply that, like, I should, uh, my body matters, my... Um, Dignity matters. I should be informed when I'm asked to make a decision. Uh, but autonomy in, in many ways uh, has become uh, not just self-justification, but self-creation, right? I, 
that I, I can just declare something of my myself. Um, and thus it is so. And then that doesn't become just self-creation or self-declaration. But now everyone else is supposed to fall in line. And we get to the tension of this this freedom is, you know, what happens when your ick and my ick and, and, and his ick, um, when they when they butt up against each other, um, if part of my moral duty is the expansion of freedom of taking freedom to others, how does that then how does that work? And if the spectrum is simply free will to selfishness, self-determination to narcissism, uh, there's going to be a challenge. I don't know if that makes sense, but I think it does. I, and <laughs> I think it's you know almost comical to talk about a, the balancing act that we that we're so familiar with. I, I don't know if you see much of the balancing act in that today. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think, what the, I guess I mean is like historic, like something yeah. like the De, De Tocqueville might talk about, yep. of like so long as America like stays right. like this, this might work. But if this changes, yeah. And I, and I think that's kind of what you were you were highlighting with that saying. Well, there's a whole other side to this, and to say, that, you know, well, not we we understand this today, and we're doing, you know, we we get the balancing act and how that it it doesn't seem like that's so much in balance. And I think part of that probably does come from not recognizing there's a whole nother, a whole nother side to this, the, the, the scales in balance there, you know? Yeah. All right, Michael, I'm going to throw it back to you because this was your article. What what well, I found it interesting just uh, thinking about being so engrossed in, in oneself and the assertion of truth, right? I just assert something that it's true. And we see our kids living up, growing up in this world where you just tell yourself that you are this or that. And I'm not talking about like gender or anything like that. Like just uh, be yourself, um, just assert this kind of stuff. Um, like, um, you know, you did your best today and that was good enough, which is so different than the Bible saying, no, you didn't do your best and that's not good enough. And you look outside of yourself for your salvation, for your value, for your existence. And more and more, I think, our world is so curved inward that we're, we're, we're taught that everything's on the inside when really everything's on the outside. Yeah. And I think maybe historically the way Christians talked about discernment is helpful in this, of like uh, when a Christian would discern things, um, and we could even talk about discerning ministry in a Lutheran context even, right? You, you put yourself in a situation where you're considering it, but <clears throat> um, when we do so, we're not just talking about an, an internal call, that you feel this, but an external call does this, this, this fit, um, and uh, and I think what Christianity historically was trying to do with that is to kind of like balance of like yes, like you are you. There's going to be things you're interested in, whatever, but also how you know you're going to discern where you can best fit and work and flourish in the context of these other things as well. And um, she does say at the end, Mike, and I was going to ask, we thought. Uh, the last sentence, and at a time when we find our democracies hollowed out and threatened by liars, despots, and reactionary politicians, it is up, up to us to determine how much we want to fight for this legacy. Um, I mean, reading, I think it's fair to say she thinks it's worth fighting for, right? Mm-hmm. This is mm-hmm. the le- legacy of the ich. This yeah. Of the ich, yeah. Saying, yeah. I, I think that's, I, you know, without reading the book, right, I, a bit naive. Well, and I, I think you brought up a good point before of is the liars, the despots, and the reactionary politicians are often asserting the, the ick. 
they right. issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, at one well. at one point, she she talks about you know describes Fichte as this you know he makes things like I am the high priest of 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 truth, <laughs> and he's got this. Which is a I mean, I wouldn't use it as a Christian pastor, but it otherwise is a pretty great line. Right. And then and then this yeah. very very over the top machismo the way he he lectures and stuff like that and she's she oh isn't that funny and then well this is the result of that or uh, or yeah. of course making a big deal which and she makes a good point about the um the open marriage but also of uh Caroline was it that mm-hmm. um you know she got pregnant uh, outside of of wedlock and she made the point that says uh why should I have to suffer when this would have been just brushed, uh, you know, under the rug by if I, if I was a man? True enough. Mm-hmm. True enough. But now she, her 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 then solution to that is not to say we should shame the men for this, but rather that I'm just going to live this open, whatever I'm not wrong kind of thing. Even there was the other couple that you know invited them in to watch them make love and stuff like that, and very. Um, very uh, the, the author in, then in a literary in a literary sense in a literary yeah, wrote sense. About it, yeah. yeah wrote about it not and yeah. uh, but just uh, pushing the envelope uh, no rules of sexuality no rules of just asserting things and this this over the top machismo and stuff like that and then saying well that we live in this world where you know there's no responsibility for sex and you have these these strong men you know we should fight for the thing that at least in part, created this mess that we're in. Not completely, right? There was always going to be strong men. And uh, and there were before. Yeah. And there were before. I'm not saying that. But you've sort of now given cover for a lot of this action. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, or like this was the inevitable conclusion when it was it was just not only okay for rich, powerful men to do it, it's okay just for everybody to do it, mm-hmm. right? And there's there's moral cover for that. Um, just, you know, I, I, I don't want to, naive's not the right word necessarily, especially, as I said, I haven't read the book, but I, I, there seems to be a disconnect, uh, in, I would say more left-leaning media that, um, pushing for like certain things that would, would, would lean towards a relativistic look at morality and then just being appalled when people, people live out a revelistic, you know, morality, right? And I, why can't that be, why is that a disconnect? I don't know. Yeah. No, and I think that's very fair. I would say, I'm just because I, I briefly introduced it, um, and we can maybe do more on that at some point, but from a Christian point of view, if we're trying to get at um, human dignity and some, you know, level of autonomy conducive to that, there are Christian ways we get there, you know, the image of God, um, that every human being is one for whom Christ died. Uh, but where the Christian's not going to get, where Fichte and others are going to go, is this the notion of the self, the ick, right? This is going to be, um, while we would we would assert um, human dignity and then autonomy that is to some degree connected to that, we still need to do an episode on privacy because I'd be very interested yeah. to see what we can come up with as a, a Christian take on a right to privacy. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, and it's interesting with Roe v. Wade that that's what the original ruling kind of was rooted in was this notion of privacy, mm-hmm. <coughs> which then makes that a very interesting discussion because yeah. privacy is 
as something otherwise that you just assert, and that assertion is connected to the self. Um, but the idea of a, a self um, that is uh, like free in a way of that it's somewhat not just autonomous but sovereign maybe <laughs> right. is a good word. Mm-hmm. Like, um, he's looking for a sovereign. Yep. Yeah. Right, and, and that's where once again, as Luther is is able to do so well. Right, he can say we're free, Lord of all, but he then also grounds that in free servant of all. Right. While we're freed from sin, death, devil, etc., we're never free from neighbor, and we're always creature in relation to God. We're never free from that creator-creation relationship. In fact, it's that very dependence which brings forth the the freedom of faith. It's kind of like the freedom of the toddler who need not fear because because his or her parents have um, him or her in their, their care. I'll stop there. No, I think I enjoyed is, the article. I, I thought you would like this. I thought we would like this article, and that would spur on some some more discussion. So there's there's a lot going on there, and I think the ick. I mean, she's right that we have absorbed this. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's not wrong, right? Yep. Um, you know, she, there's an agenda there, as there always is with everybody, including us. Um, so I, I recommend the article. It's like a three minute read. Yep. And yeah. I would say once again, if someone reads the beginning, they go. Oh, Russia, abortion, just substitute. Keep going. Just substitute whatever. Um, it's kind of like the people that try to turn the abortion, like the, my what is it, my body, my... My body, my choice. <laughs> my body, my choice. And then with the mask, they were saying the same thing, like, yeah. or vaccines, whatever. Like, that's the same argument. It's just on a different issue. So just substitute that, and then you'll... Um, all of us are going to see ourselves to some degree in this because we... Um, you can... It's impossible not to absorb some of the culture around you that, and so it's we'd be naive to think this isn't in the church or this isn't in whatever corner of the political spectrum we might find ourselves that this is a, a lot of the default mindset of the person out walking around yeah right it's just what that what the ich manifests itself into right that's that's the difference it's just yeah. you know whichever whichever that is for you I love that we've said like um, ick, ish, ich, ich, ich. all of them. We're yeah. covering all, and we're oh. we're just trying to be fair to every region of Germany. Right. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, so I was. Doing, I, can I give like a Kelsch, like a ish, ish, ish. I was. Uh, I was. Uh, before we were recorded, I was uh, talking about uh, teaching Hinduism in class today, and how I spent probably half an hour just like, how do I pronounce this? Like <laughs> whatever. So jiva, jiva, or. Jiva is uh, the ex, the uh, sort of the body, right? As opposed to the Atman or whatever. So I, I, there was a YouTube on there, and they just had like twelve different pronunciations in a row. This is <laughs> Austra- this is an Indian person, yep. a Canadian person, an Australian person. I'm oh. like, you know what? I, I'm gonna, I'm still gonna butcher it, even though there's yep. twelve ways yep. to do it. I'm gonna come up with the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway. <laughs> um, where Our Sense of Self Comes From, a decent article in The Atlantic by uh, Andrea Wolf. Uh, we'd, we'd recommend uh, reading it just for your own interest. Um, a lot of this has to do with freedom, right? And uh, we understand that our freedom comes from outside of us. It's a gift. It comes through the gospel. So uh, no matter what, let the bird fly. goes down 
getting my party and I begin to cry. I don't care what the people are thinking. I'm not drunk, I'm just a jank. I say I'm up, another round. I say I'm up, another round. I say I'm up, another round. One more round, yeah. 